Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome back to the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. As always, we're delighted that you've chosen to spend a chunk of your engagement with us. This week, we're focusing on the venue search, the phase of wedding planning that really sets the wheels of your big day in motion. Settling on a venue is probably the most important decision you'll make about your wedding because ultimately it has the biggest impact on the look, feel and vibe of your day. Of course, this means that there's quite a bit of pressure on you and your partner to find the perfect spot. The good news is there are wonderful venues out there to satisfy every budget and set of requirements. All you've got to do is find them. Yeah, so this is like, this is a big deal in the wedding planning world. Yeah, because once you pick your venue, it kind of dictates everything else from how much money you have to spend to who you can have to how it's going to look. That's what I love is that when you've picked your venue, it like shuts out loads of possibilities. And I know that's frightening to some people, but to me, that's really attractive because <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK, I can't be spending eight million years thinking about X, Y and Z anymore because I've got one track now that I've got the venue pinned it, down. Yeah, it streamlines your options, which is an exciting prospect when the world is possible. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be uh, giving you all the tips that you need to find the perfect venue. And don't worry, you will find it. It's out there. It is. One Fab Day Expert Wedding Tips. One of the best things about doing this job is getting to pass on the knowledge that we know will make the wedding planning process and the big day itself easier and more enjoyable for our listeners. That's why we offer up a handy tip in every single episode. Now, Claire, it's your turn to offer a tip. Yes. Lay it on me. So my tip this week is to remember to take your veil off for some of the photos, particularly if it's a birdcage veil that covers your face partially or if you've got an elaborate headpiece. Yes, that's a good call, actually. Yeah, because obviously we see wedding photos every day of the week mm. and sometimes I'll be editing a full wedding. So I'll have hundreds of photos and I can't get a clear shot of the bride's face, which like the veil is stunning and it looks gorgeous and it's often really stylized. But in years to come, chances are you're going to want to photograph without it. And um, particularly if you've spent a lot of time and effort doing your makeup, you want to have at least a few shots. Uh, same goes for your hair. If you have a veil and like a really nice updo, you probably want to get a few shots without it. Yeah, like when you're 95, you're going to want to like marvel over how small your pores were, etc. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it is good. And it like it does no harm as well. Like you never really are sure until you see the photos, which ones of yourself you're going to like. Yeah. Even if you think you know how you like to look in photos. Yeah. Um, It's hard to tell ahead of the day. So it's always good to have options. This might be something to say to the photographer or a wedding party member to remind you if you forget. Yeah, definitely. Because the same goes for things like sunglasses. If it's a sunny day, a lot of people leave them on or normal eyewear. Mm. Um, you might leave them on and not realise that you had got a single shot without them. Um, or capes or fur stoles Cover or ups. jackets, things like that. So yeah, it's just worth getting a few with and a few without. It gives yourself more options then for the ultimate photo that you're going to dream about and look at every day. Yes, and admire how hairless your chin was when you're 95. <laughs> I think that's the goal for this whole podcast <laughs> is to satisfy our 95-year-old self. That's it. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. 
As we kick off our chat about hunting for the perfect wedding venue, we have to acknowledge that this part of wedding planning can be really challenging. No matter what kind of big day you're hoping to create, it's tough to find a venue that takes every box. So it's only natural to feel a little bit overwhelmed. But don't worry, because by the end of this episode, you'll have all the tools you need to track down your dream venue. Exactly. So today we're delivering a step-by-step guide to finding your wedding venue, including tips for rounding up potential venues, turning your long list into a short list and navigating the all-important venue visits. But first, we wanted to break down everything you need to have sorted before you embark upon the wedding venue search. So there ain't no point researching venues until you have these locked down. Yes, and I do think a lot of people jump ahead because you get excited and you start Googling venues and then you start booking in visits, but you don't even know when you want to get married or how many people you're going to have there. (laughs) I wrote a real wedding this week and... The groom found this venue and was like, oh, this is a gorgeous venue. What do you think? And the bride was like, yeah, great. And he's like, I can't go to the viewing. Do you want to pop down to the open day? You know, I think it was pretty early on in wedding planning. Mm. And she went back and she booked the whole thing without even consulting him. (laughs) Which is just so cheeky. I mean, it all worked out. It was a beautiful venue and the wedding was perfect there. And he was like, oh, it's perfect. You picked the right venue. But yeah, it's such an exciting time. It's easy to get carried away. Yeah. I think it's nice to kind of make a bit of event of visiting venues because I really enjoyed, we drove around the country and saw loads of cool country houses and it was really nice and I liked having a bit of a nose around them all. It's kind of like shopping for a house, but like the most amazing house that you could never afford. Yeah, for a party for one weekend. (laughs) Yeah, because you can be like, "Mm, I don't know if I would put the library there. And then you're like, who am I? Yeah, and then if you're going to hotels, you can be like, may I see the bridal suite, please? And like hop in the bath when no one's looking. Stuff like that. Please tell me you've done that. (laughs) I haven't, but I know someone who has. Dear Lord. Uh, Okay, so the things that you need before you start, um, even kind of really the main research, you need to know an approximate number of guests. So I would say that whatever number you're working on, you should be happy that it won't differ from your final figure by more than like 10, maybe 15%. Yeah, so a lot of people will tell you that 20% of your guests will drop off. But what if they don't? Mm. And you don't want to have a venue capacity of 200 and have potentially 250 people coming to your wedding. Yeah, exactly. So obviously... In the early stages of planning, you're more talking about who do we want there rather than like who can come, especially if you're inviting a lot of people from abroad and you don't know who's, you know, having a baby or uh, who's got some other work commitment or whatever. But yeah, you need you need to lock down a number Mm. and be happy enough that it's a realistic number. Yeah, that's a good shout. I think a rough idea of your budget as well is important to have before you go looking at venues. A lot of them will give you a per head price, Mm. which will mean nothing to you um, without your guest list and without your budget. Um, So you need to know that if it's 70 per head and you have 100 guests, that's 7,000 (laughs) euro. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just checking. Uh, Fast maths, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's a good idea to have an idea. Um, we will be discussing budgets at length next week. So maybe stay tuned for that. Yes. And we have as well, if you can't wait, a feature that's all about how to work out your wedding budget. And Claire has written it and it has all of that whole thing about how to take your wedding budget from the point of, I don't know what I'm going to spend right down to like what per head number suits us. Yeah. Because it could be 70, it could be 100 per head, it could be 150 per head. Um, and hopefully by reading Claire's feature, you'll be able to know exactly what kind of parameters you're working yeah. with. could be a tenner per head and everyone's getting fish and chips, which is all right with me. I mean, that sounds delicious, to be yeah. honest. I'd never say no to fish and chips at a wedding. <laughs> uh, so you also need an idea of when you want to get married. So again, we've spoken about this before. Obviously, you don't need to have one date in mind, but a time of year and a handful of possible dates would be good yeah so I think even if you have maybe six weekends um or if you know it has to be a Saturday or we're we're flexible for Thursdays and Fridays things like that it's good to know before you go so that you can check the book at the venue and see what's available yeah you don't want to go in with a broad like 2021 thing because you could end up like with you know a random Tuesday in February that actually isn't practical for your guest list at all yeah. <laughs> I think it's a nice idea too to have a list of priorities. So what are your non-negotiables? Some people will say like they have to have an outdoor ceremony or they really want it to be a castle or something like that. But then it could be logistical things. Bar like extension. 
bar extension accommodation on site yeah that it's accessible if you've guests that have accessibility Mm -hmm. needs child friendly things like that so it's worth looking at your guest list and their needs as well before you start approaching venues yeah and if you listen to our episode a few episodes back about the initial chat you need to have with your partner Mm. you should have hopefully covered this and uh had hopefully then you made a bit of a bucket list for your venue like the top two or three things you want out of your venue also it's good to know whether you want to be incredibly hands-on incredibly hands-off with your wedding or somewhere in between um because this actually has a big effect on what kind of venue you're going to book ultimately if you're the kind of couple who are like i would love to hand it over to someone and be done away with the stress and have the venue coordinator do the table plan for me you know, you need to be looking at certain types of venues, probably more hotels, um, venues that do, you know, like really live for like packages. Mm. And if you're like, no, I want to hire in every piece of cutlery myself <laughs> so I can micromanage it all. Um, then you need to be looking for exclusive hire venues and dry hire venues and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's something you need to decide in advance yeah when we started our wedding venue search we thought we were looking to be really hands-on we were excited about doing everything ourselves and then we saw one venue where we really had to do everything so it was a complete empty everything. site yeah so it would have been setting up a kitchen for a caterer mm-hmm. or getting a caterer who'll have their own kitchen um port every piece of furniture and then we realized, oh, no, we're kind of medium hands on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's worth kind of really thinking about that, how much time you're going to have if you're willing to spend a whole week setting up a venue from scratch. Or if you want to maybe try your hand at your own decor and personalizing the venue. But ultimately on the day, you don't want to have anything to do. Or maybe, yeah, as you said, a place that has a whole package and you just pick from a book I want this centerpiece, this linen, this menu and off you go. It's definitely good to have that locked down beforehand because otherwise you might waste time looking at lots of wedding venues that are basically just big sites and an invitation to hire your own (laughs) portaloos, which you might not want. I mean, some people are into it, but it wasn't for me. And the final thing you need to have before you start your venue search is a list of questions to ask potential venues. So as always, we've prepared one earlier. (laughs) So we have one on the site that's really handy and basically has every single question you could possibly ask. Some of them will be relevant for your venue, others will not. But it's worth printing that out and having it on the day so that you make sure you cover all bases when you're chatting. Yeah, yeah. And when I get on to a bit later in the episode, we'll do a step by step of venue search Mm. I'll talk about like maybe how to prioritize that list because obviously everything on the list is not for you yeah um, and how to decide on what like the big questions are especially if you're going to kind of like open days where there's other couples there and you don't have as much time with the wedding coordinator to ask yeah you don't need to know about this specific AV setup in the ballroom (laughs) necessarily on your first visit yeah for a lot of couples that's not a deal breaker yeah um so how to kind of navigate that list as well we'll be talking about that later but first yes we want to just do a brief run through of the five styles of wedding venue yeah so in a previous episode we talked about the seven or eight styles of wedding Mm. so there's a bit of crossover with those but this is really i suppose it's a bit more logistical and practical and how to know what kind of wedding venue is what yes Because there's a lot of lingo out there and it can be hard to know what any of it means. Oh, I have so much sympathy for couples um, looking at venues and looking at the venue's own marketing speak because venues are amazing at being venues, but often the marketing speak can be so vague. Yes. And like it's very hard to tell what they mean by certain language. And, you know, sometimes you're just like, I want to know where the ceremony will be. Yeah. And they're going on about like, like sizzling atmosphere. (laughs) And exclusive luxury. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, where's the room? Like, what does the roof look like? You know? Yeah, a lot of times you just want to bullet point of the details. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of waffle. That's what our venue features are handy for, in fairness. Yes. Um, so I guess the first one that most people will be well acquainted with is a hotel or resort wedding venue. So as you mentioned, the pros with these are the fact that they've packaged deals. So you pick and choose what you want um a lot of them now are a bit more creative with their extras so they'll have things like a prosecco van or an ice cream truck and table plans and things like that but generally you're going for them because they have a tried and trusted reputation Mm. they know what they're doing they run weddings like a machine in the best way possible as in they just work 
and they know what they're doing and there's no guesswork involved. Um, and often as well, there's lots of accommodation on site. Now, the cons of a hotel or resort wedding venue are there's less flexibility in terms of like decor, food and wine, because as you said, they run like a machine um, and they have probably more commonly do other events. Mm. Um, they have a certain way of doing things and there's not always a lot of flexibility for you to come in and bring in your own dance floor or whatever. Yeah. Um, and same goes for food and wine. Uh, there's less time to prepare the spaces. So again, they will have like so many events going on. Maybe like they even have gigs there or like other non-wedding events. So you probably won't get two days beforehand to set up the main room. You'll have a shorter amount of time. Mm. Um, there's the generic factor in that your wedding will look similar-ish to a lot of other weddings that are happening in that hotel. But... This can be a plus if you've picked like a beautiful heritage hotel where you know everything is done to like an impeccable style standard. Um, But that's not for everyone. Some people don't like the idea of having the same tables and, you know, having the same four walls be in their wedding as, you know, four or five of their friends had. Mm. And also supplier restrictions. So some hotels and resort kind of wedding venues, they might only work with certain suppliers um, but that's something you can find out you know in the initial chat that you have with them. So the next one we have is exclusive higher wedding venues so this is often castles country houses places like that that if it says exclusive hire it generally means that it's yours for either the day or more often not the whole weekend again that's the terms that you talk through with the wedding coordinator the pros of these are privacy so you don't necessarily have random strangers passing you by you won't bump into another bride if it's a large venue with Mm -hmm. two ballrooms on the day you're going to have a lot of wow factor and uniqueness with these venues and the ability to personalize every detail of the day generally so you can often rent in your own tables your own decor it doesn't mean that the venues won't supply these but it does mean that there's a lot more flexibility to customize you can also rent out the venue for the whole weekend the whole week depending on what you want and if you have a lot of people coming in from overseas you can really make a big event of it so it's a nice one if you're looking for like a three-day celebration and generally they have good access in the lead up to the wedding as well. So you might want to take it over two days before to get everything set up. So yeah, there are a lot of pros to these, um, but there are also some cons. There sure are. So the cons are the expense. They tend to be more expensive than a hotel, for example. Capacity restrictions, because they tend to be smaller or require the hire of a marquee for larger groups. Mm. Again, that might not worry you if you're having a small celebration or if you're happy to factor in the cost of marquee hire again that might not be a biggie uh i would say the main con is the increased workload for the couple in terms Mm. of coordination um even if you are hiring loads of like top level suppliers you know you have to try and manage all of that Mm. um so that is one where if you have room in the budget for a planner it would be a godsend restrictions which can be unique to the venue so Often exclusive hire venues are like they might be a house where like a family lives. Yeah. For example. So you might look at the website and go, what a beautiful house. But like actually on the day you're not allowed in the house or you're only allowed in the house for one hour for a cocktail hour or something like that. Um, It's hard for me to say specifically what these are, but access to certain spaces, curfews, like you never know. You might think uh, from your initial engagement with the venue that it looks like this beautiful secluded place it could be really close to some residential homes and have like sound restrictions if it's a working farm often they have sound restrictions because of the animals yeah yeah we've had that as well so it's kind of hard to predict with these but there probably will be or there's a good chance that there will be some kind of restriction that you can't foresee because you don't know intimately what this venue is yeah And these venues can be less experienced as well. These are the kind of venues that we often hear couples booking when they've only had a few weddings or not even a wedding. Um, So some venues like this are really, really experienced. I've been doing it for 5, 10, 15 years brilliantly. And you do have that reliability, but sometimes not. So that's something to bear in mind as well, that you might be working with the team who are very good at what they do but haven't done it before and that's obviously different to working with the hotel wedding coordinator who's probably done a thousand weddings. Yeah, I think the exclusive hire 
as a a genre of venue is probably one of the broadest because some of them are as hands-on as a hotel and will yep. take everything off your hands and others are like, here's the keys to my house, off you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it just depends. Yeah. So you have to factor in that there's probably a few things that you won't know until you go and visit the venue and see it for mm-hmm. yourself or talk to someone from the venue and they'll be like, now you know that actually 75% of the estate is off limits or whatever. Yeah. That stuff will come up. Uh, so just be aware that it's not straightforward as a hotel. Yes, definitely. Um, the next one is a marquee wedding or a wedding at home. So these weddings are always really personal and so they're always a really nice kind of story behind them but then of course there tends to be a lot of work so Mm. the pros for this is the unique atmosphere obviously because if it's in your home it's going to feel pretty special and there's a huge scope for personalization you can literally do whatever you want because there are no rules and you control of every single detail so from the food to the layout to the time like the running order of the day you can basically do whatever you want um so yeah there's very few restrictions obviously depending on the location in question and there is the potential to save on venue hire but i'll put a huge disclaimer in there that it's only potential so as i move on to the cons you may have noticed some tension in claire's voice when she said that there's potential to save um, and if you listened to the episode that we did with our co-founder, Nisha, mm. who had a wedding like this, you'll know that um, they can be very, very, very expensive. And it can be really hard for a couple to know actually what costs are involved in advance because you've never done anything like this yeah, before. And to pull it back afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Once you're in, you're kind of in. Um, so, yeah, the biggest con for me is that there are loads of hidden costs. You might not realize how much money it costs to like hire in a kitchen or portaloos or rig up electricity for a band um, but those things add up uh, it can be intrusive on your personal space so if it is like your mom and dad's home for example it might be invaded by suppliers for days ahead of the wedding maybe even weeks it's a huge workload in terms of planning and coordination like you're kind of being like the venue coordinator yeah not to mention the pressure if it's at home of like doing the garden and painting the house and all oh those God, other can things. You imagine trying to get the house ready <laughs> yeah. for all of your friends and family. My mum would have an absolute conniption <laughs> and so she should. Uh, so we do always say, and this is one of the things as well to factor in in terms of cost, we always say you need an on-the-day coordinator mm. for a marquee wedding at home or in um, a location that doesn't usually hold weddings uh, because there's just going to be too much for you to do as yeah. the bride or groom mm. or the couple. Um, seasonal restrictions so I would say these kinds of weddings are generally better suited to summer and you kind of are hoping for like an outdoorsy garden party theme so like good weather is more reliant as opposed to you know a beautiful country house wedding venue can look equally stunning in winter but a marquee wedding at home not really suited to winter might be a bit grim (laughs) might be a bit sad Um, there'd be little or no accommodation on site of course you can look into things like glamping but in general it's not a hotel so it won't have that convenience and there's just a high level of uncertainty if an event hasn't been held there before which is kind of an obvious one yeah like you don't want to work out that a marquee will like slant on your garden because you've got some kind of weird soil or something like that that you didn't realize i think in ireland we're just burned by festivals like music festivals there are so many first year festivals that are like oh we didn't realize this field couldn't hold a thousand people (laughs) yeah and you know your granny's wonderful back garden could be that as well yeah no so i think yeah, it's just, I love these weddings. They're always so cool. They're so fun to attend. I went to one that was on a beach. Oh. It was amazing. Maybe one of the best weddings I've ever been to. But yeah. again, if they had asked me, should I do this? I would have been like, hell no. Yeah, it's kind of that thing of like maximum reward, mm. but it's maximum effort as well. Yeah. And it's a big gamble. So the next one on the list is increasingly popular. It's a restaurant or a pub wedding venue. So the pros for these is that you're almost guaranteed that the food will be incredible. You've got definitely less of a workload in terms of decor and coordination because these weddings tend to be a bit more laid back. There's a little bit less frill to them, which in turn means less work and expense for you. There's a lot of choice across all different cuisines and all different styles of restaurants you can go for something really swanky or really laid back and so you'll often find something whatever your budget in this bracket as well yeah now the cons of the restaurant wedding venue 
There's usually little or no accommodation on site. And again, depending on location, that might be no biggie because you might have loads of hotels around, but, you know, it won't be kind of an all in one situation. Mm. The location might be challenging. So they're often in cities um, and you often will find that you just kind of have a multi-stage wedding where you're trying to manage a load of people going from ceremony to drinks reception to restaurant. And then maybe an after party venue will have to yeah. be separate to the restaurant which venue. Which then turns into organizing four mini parties, which yeah. is a lot of work. <laughs> now, some restaurant style wedding venues will have capacity for like an after party thing, but a lot of them don't. So that's important. And yeah, you're maybe organizing four small parties as opposed to in an exclusive horror venue, you're hosting one big party. Yeah. Uh, so there's a different level of challenge there. Um, an increased workload compared to an all-in-one venue. So I kind of covered that. Um, an informality, which may be a pro if that's what you're after. But yeah. I think something about a restaurant, which I love, is just a bit more kind of everyone's out for like a really great night out as opposed to like we're having a big blowout, epic, royal style party for a whole weekend. Different yeah, vibes. I think it's why I love city weddings is that informality. But I think sometimes it can all be over and then it's over and you kind of can wake up in your own bed the next day. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like you went away or that like it was as much of an occasion. Um, so again, it's very much personal choice and it just depends on what you're after. Absolutely. So then the fifth one that we have here is kind of a catch-all for ourselves. So I've dubbed it the total curveball. <laughs> so this is kind of like a really wild and ambitious wedding venue that defies formulas and categories. So maybe you're doing like a cliffside ceremony. You're having like a reception that's a picnic, a late night party on the beach, like that beach marquee wedding that I talked about is kind of half marquee wedding, half this. Um this is like these weddings don't happen that much but if you have like a really wacky idea that you want to get married in like this forest somewhere um this is what it comes under and generally you will find it shares the pros and cons of marquee wedding at home and or exclusive horror venues yeah because some of these venues will have a bit of a formula like say if you get married in a museum it's still a structured if they do weddings that they'll have some kind of yeah. formality and structure to them same like say if you get married in a zoo or something like that anywhere mm. that offers it as a package whereas then obviously if it's out in the wild if it's in a beach or a forest or on a cliff there are no rules there's no structure there's, there's no, no one to ask and be like hey what do we do if this happens because yeah. there's no one in charge of that cliffside yeah, there's no backup plan and you can't book it so you don't even know I often think that there's a few abbey ruins around Ireland mm. that people get married in and I always wonder like what if you get there and someone else is having their wedding oh god yeah of course because like there's nobody with a clipboard going you come in on April 1st yeah so yeah if you're getting married in the wild which I absolutely love it's always good for these kind of weddings, I think, to have a backup plan. And what we should say about all of these different styles of wedding venue is each one is different. So lots of venues will be a little bit of one or the other. Yes. Um, many venues will be a cut and dried version of hotel, restaurant venue. Um, but for the sake of our list, we had to make some generalizations. But bear in mind that there are like pubs that do great package deals and they've done a million of them. Yeah. And there are hotels that really like have nailed a kind of exclusive hire feel mm. for their wedding packages. So just take what we've said with a pinch of salt. But that should give you a good idea of basically what direction you want to go in. Yeah. Because that can be one of the hard things at the beginning is do I want to have this big like country house weekend house party vibe? Do I want to keep it simple and have a day in my own city that's maybe actually not as simple as I thought it was going to be? Yeah. But that is kind of faff free for everyone. Hopefully our list will help you. Yes. Have a clear front runner. So now we're going to go through a bit of a step by step of how to actually go about finding your venue. So, yeah, once you've ascertained what vibe you're looking for or style of venue you're looking for mm. I think the first thing to do is compile a bit of a long list yeah so if you're in Ireland we definitely suggest checking out our directory and our venue features there are so many of them yes Selena my poor heart's broken <laughs> from um, doing them if anyone's looking for a small wedding venue yeah Selena spent a good week working on that one yeah so over the course of many her. months um that's why I really feel for couples who are like god I went onto the website of this venue and I don't have a clue what's going on what do they mean by this 
because I spend a lot of my time trying to find something like, you know, what are the venues in Ireland that have this exact kind of a space for a ceremony? And it's actually really hard to find that information without contacting them directly. So I do feel your pain out there if you're like a bit overloaded with wedding venue marketing speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So those features, if you're in Ireland, are really helpful in our directory is if not, look for a similar resource in your area, which will have like kind of rundowns and lists of wedding venues according to maybe style like restaurant or hotel or capacity, small or large or whatever you're looking for. Mm. And I would say, yeah, cast a wide net, but keep in mind your capacity requirements um, because that is something that most venues will publicize their capacity. Um, now, I, as I said, finding out the minimum capacity of a wedding venue is actually in Ireland anyway a lot harder than the maximum so if you're doing a small wedding you might need to just look for a feature about that um whereas maximum is almost always given very clearly on the wedding venue site so that is an easy one to ascertain and a good one to keep in mind early on yeah it can be definitely hard to find the costings no one publishes the no. cost on their website or very few some hotels might but very few other venues will have the rental fee or the per head fee mm. um so at the moment i think it's worth parking that and just finding a long list of venues you really like and then you'll get quotes from them down the line yeah i will say that a lot of wedding venues you can find a per head price somewhere like a lot of them have uploaded their wedding brochure you don't even have to email them to get it like it's just a downloadable on their site and they often have the per head prices there but that can be misleading because you could have let's say if you were going for um a dublin city hotel and that's what you want and you have four in question and they all have given their per head price on their website and you're trying to compare that actually that's not going to really tell you everything that's included often like Mm. they they often just give a rough idea they don't give you the whole package so you might come away from that research thinking that x is like the most expensive and actually when you go and meet them it's not so i would say just kind of keep an open mind in terms of cost you really need to like discuss it with them or else get them to send you information on the cost by email to decipher really how much your wedding is going to cost at this venue yeah often when we were researching venues the ones that from the outset seemed more expensive when you actually broke down everything that was included they were among the more affordable ones yeah that's the thing because all venues kind of operate differently some of them are like listen we want to save you the stress so we've quoted you one big fat number and it has all this stuff in it and you'll go whoa that's so expensive (laughs) yeah I'm not sure if I'm into this venue and then the venue that you choose that starts with a smaller price actually you'll end up spending the amount that the first venue yeah. quoted you yeah um so just bear that in mind that they all kind of work a bit differently and it can be a bit confusing so yeah I do think your tip is good Claire on like try to just focus on the venue you want uh within reason and then um there's time for discussing cost you know a little bit later yeah And the next step then is to research those venues. So check out their own websites, their social media. And I think the best thing you can do is look for real weddings that have taken place there because it gives you a way better feel of what they can offer and how they function and look on the day. Um, So having a social media snoop is very handy and also checking out our site again if you're in Ireland. But we do have a lot of UK weddings too. so And internationals. And international ones. Yeah, actually destination weddings, we cover a lot of them. So it's worth having a Google or even just Google the name of the venue, Real Wedding. And then it'll probably come up on some blog if not ours. Um, And yeah, so I think, yeah, doing a little bit of digging and seeing which ones you're more interested in or which ones are starting to stand out. Yeah, which ones your kind of gut feeling is drawing you towards. Um, So then you need to compare the venues that are on your long list. So this is a bit of a boring section. It is really just asking yourself if they tick all of your boxes. So we're talking about capacity, location, accommodation, style, decor, and like any other specific requirements like access or if you've decided that you absolutely need to have a sack race on the day (laughs) at the drinks reception, do they have a lawn for that? These kind of things. So you need to ask yourself if they match up to your priorities, really. And again, you should have discussed this with your partner. So you should have a good idea of like the main things you want from your venue. I think a spreadsheet's a really efficient and thorough way to do this. If you're so inclined, like especially if you've only got like six or seven on your long list, you know, make up a spreadsheet 
and put in all the sections that are important to you and did they tick that box or whatever um and a lot of these things you'll be able to find out you know before you visit or contact but there's also no harm at this stage with giving them a quick call or an email and just asking sorry I can't find it on your website do you have a bar extension before you go and visit um because depending on you know some couples will be like oh I'm looking for something so specific and I really there's only two venues that we can even consider because of how specific we want to be with the kind of day we're having but a lot of couples like if you're a couple who wants to get married in an Irish country house venue there are like 500 yeah so you know you want to try and nail down these things before you go visiting so that you're not just wasting months and months of your own time because then when it comes to creating your shortlist which is the next one you're probably going to have a list of favorites and these are like the clear front runners yeah and they're the ones that you're going to want to visit which brings us on to the next point arranging viewings yeah so this is really easily done you just get in touch with the venue directly or um it's also a good idea to maybe follow them on social media and you'll get updates on their open days and showcases um or on their own website or their own social media they will promote those just remember and bear in mind that often the open days and showcases which are when multiple couples view at the same time as opposed to a private viewing when one couple views on their own have one-on-one time with the coordinator the difference with the showcase and the open day is that you um it's just a bit more casual so you you, yeah it's it's handier to be honest yeah and you don't feel as beholden (laughs) to turning up but some of them do require prior registration. Yes. And often they're good to visit because it's all set up like it would be for mm. a wedding. You can often maybe taste some canapes, get a feel for the service. Whereas if you visit on a Sunday morning, just a random Sunday morning. And they're mad busy and they're like trying to yeah. get set up for something. Yeah. You mightn't get the same feel for it. So yeah, open days are great if if your venue does them. And again, January, February is a good time for them. Definitely. And again, September, October, often they have them as well. And you will get some one-on-one time with the wedding coordinator at these as well. It just depends. Like if they're really busy, um, you might need to arrange a follow-up email or Skype or visit or whatever. But there's no harm in that either. Yeah. And when you're attending these viewings, whether it's a private one or a showcase, um, bring our list of wedding venue questions with you. Have highlighted the main ones that if you only get a few minutes that you've definitely asked and make sure to make notes. So we have about 70 questions in our feature, but they're like for the whole duration We're of the wedding. We're trying to be comprehensive. Planning. Yes. Um, so, yeah, make sure you know the ones that you want to ask and also have your dates ready so that you can check if they're free. Um, one thing to keep in mind, if you're going to a showcase of a very hot venue, um, you might feel inclined to pounce. And so it is worth just keeping in mind the dates you have and having them pre-checked so that if you do want to get a date provisionally booked, that you've got it ready to go. Yeah. Um, again, you can a lot of times if you're if they're booking on the day, it'll be provisional and you won't have to pay a big deposit and it'll be refundable if you do. But it is worth just you don't want to book a venue and then go home to your mum and she tells you she's in Spain for two weeks at that time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do think it's worth as well making some notes. I know you're going to feel like a big nerd with your pencil or your phone, like taking down what the wedding coordinator says. But they won't mind because they know ultimately it'll probably save them from having to repeat themselves later on if you do book that venue. Yeah. And I think as well, if you're at all serious about the venue, I'd follow up on everything that was said afterwards with an email just to Mm. confirm. Some venues will promise you the earth when you're there in person. And then when they see it in writing, they might change things slightly. So, yeah, it's worth just... Uh, following up afterwards and getting it all written down yeah because this is kind of the part of the venue search where you're still in control they still want you to book their venue you Mm -hmm. still haven't paid the deposit so it is a time when you can kind of be like oh but like will you definitely have that new ceremony space constructed by 2022 or whatever yeah um so you can be a little bit um not demanding but you can definitely you know ask them to clarify things and they're motivated to do so because you know the exchange is hopefully going to happen and you can say like this is a big priority to me so like can you let me know if this is definitely a possibility or this bar extension is this time correct it is worth your right doing it via email so you can always refer back and be like see previous email (laughs) yes the ultimate passive aggressive phrase yeah 
You got to do it sometimes. You do. So then you want to compare your shortlisted venues. So at the viewing, you might have gone mad and booked your venue um, if it's the right one for you. Great. Uh, but also you might want to go home with your notes and compare. Yeah. And um, I know a load of couples say that like the minute they step through the door of their venue with the partner while they're viewing, they knew it was the one. And that's great, but it doesn't always work out like that. Um, and sometimes as well, you might get that feeling, but then when the nitty gritty of the costings is discussed, yeah. you realize it's out of budget or for, there's some other big glaring omission that you just actually need to go home and sleep on before you decide whether it's worth that sacrifice. So yeah, you need to go and sleep on it and discuss what you've learned from the viewings with your partner. Yeah, it's definitely worth getting confirmed costings um, and seeing menus as well at this point before you make a decision because most venues will provide them and it'll be no problem. Others can be a bit more vague and say like, oh, the menu's seasonal, so we haven't got them prepared yet. But even if you can see the one from last summer or last autumn and get a feel for what they offer, just so you're not blindsided down the line when there's nothing that you want on the menu. Um, Or... If they haven't costed up the menu yet, things like that. It's good to get a feel. Um, Yeah, like you can often feel pressured at the viewing to make a booking, particularly if they're like, this is the last Saturday in the summer we have of 2022. And you get really like, oh God, if we don't put pounce now, they'll, another couple will. Mm. As I said, obviously there will be a lot of couples who like have already half decided on the venue before they go and see it and they're just going to confirm and then that's fine make the booking but if you at all can just wait and go home and yeah as you said sleep on it there are very few venues that tick every single box for the couple so often there is a chat that needs to be had about like okay we found three venues that tick 75% of our boxes so we have to kind of go back to our priorities list and figure out which venue did we love so much that we can get over whatever thing is missing yeah um so it does more often than not warrant a bit of a chat. And I think it's worth as well at this stage considering the aesthetics of it as well. Like if there's things that will like if you hate the chairs or you can't stand the colour on the walls or the carpet. Like when you've got three venues you love, you almost need to find the flaws in them to yeah. to knock them out. So it's things like that. Or if you're going to spend a thousand renting in chairs, is it better to just go to a different venue where the chairs don't bother you? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We've got loads of features on what weddings cost in Ireland and in the UK on our site. We'll be talking about it in our budget episode and everything. So like with a little research, um, you can find out pretty quickly the kind of hidden costs that might come along with your venue. So Mm -hmm. that's why we say it's good to go home and have a bit of a think about it. And if there's one thing that came up that you weren't expecting at all, like, God, I didn't realize they had no accommodation. It might take a few days for you to figure out, oh, that's fine. We have a get around for that. Yeah. But what is the get around? Yeah. A lot of couples find they'll be so flexible for the right venue. So that might be you. Again, the next step is to book and pay your deposit. But before you do that, make sure you read all the contracts, go through everything, see that the deposit, how long it's refundable for, when your cancellation date will be, um, things like that just make sure that everything that you've discussed that should be included is included and what the additional extras might be yeah for most situations going back on a venue you've booked isn't really a great solution so you don't want to enter into that lightly we've had a lot of dilemmas on the show from people who are like oh I've realized something about my venue but it's too late now because my deposit is non-refundable and that was 10% of the entire fee and we can't afford to risk that money. So just think of it as what it is, a big plunge. Yeah. Yeah. You're essentially going to be spending half your wedding budget on this choice. Mm. So without trying to stress you out, just be aware of the decision that you're making and take it carefully. Read everything they send you, basically, with yeah. a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And, and if actually, they don't send you things, demand them. Yes, definitely. And as you mentioned about... Like, will the ceremony room be ready? Do you ask them about planned work, planned yeah. redecoration, things like that? Because, again, we've had dilemmas in where the room's been decorated and it's no longer to the couple's tastes. Yeah, exactly. So get that contract, get your big, big questions answered on paper. Yes. And then celebrate because you booked your wedding venue. You did it. 
Yay. It was a long old road, but we got there in the end. <laughs> we did. So yeah, booking the venue is potentially stressful, certainly challenging. I know that there are some people who are like, oh God, I just booked my sister's venue because I loved it so much. And yeah. That's great for you. You have firsthand experience of a venue and by all means, absolutely go for it if you loved everything about it. Yeah. But for other couples, it's a big long slog. So pat yourself on the back once you have found that perfect spot. Yeah, pour some bubbly. One fab day, listener dilemmas. If there's one thing we've learned in all our years writing about weddings, it's that the road to the big day doesn't always run smoothly. So in this part of the show, we put our heads together to answer one of our listeners' burning questions. And Selena, you've chosen this week's dilemma. I have. So this reader writes, I'm German living in Ireland and we're looking to have a small wedding in Malahide, which is in Dublin, uh, since we connect so much with the place. We're having 12 guests for the ceremony and dinner with more people coming for drinks afterwards. We're wondering how to break the news to some friends in Germany and the USA. I'm guessing one of them is American who won't be invited. The main reason we're not inviting them is because we feel that asking friends to travel and then not invite them to the ceremony or dinner would be rude. We're worried about how they might react, particularly when they hear that we have lots of Irish friends coming to the drinks after the meal. So I can kind of see where they're coming from here. Like if you're really close relative or really close friend from Germany or the US, hears that like some person you work with is going to be at your wedding, but they're not. Yeah. They kind of have a right to feel a bit put out um, if they don't understand the situation. So I think this is about how you communicate what your wedding is to these people yeah I think it's worth well normally if you're not inviting someone I'd say like leave them to it but I do think it's worth sending an email maybe around to the people that you're worried about maybe close friends um in Germany in the US and saying like oh just wanted to let you know some news we're getting married we booked our venue um, we're just going for a really small wedding. We're having 12 people for a ceremony reception and then we're just having drinks afterwards. So like, because we're having such an intimate wedding, we hope you understand and can't wait to catch up for drinks next time I'm home. Or something yeah. like that, that implies like, you know, we're letting you know our plans and say it in a very, the way you would catch up with friends, the way you would let them know yeah, what's happening with you. Not in a, you're not apologising for it. You're not making, you're not justifying yourself, but you're just letting them know what the story is. Yeah, I think it's difficult when you're having a very small, very informal wedding. That thing of like, gosh, well, I couldn't invite someone because, you know, it's just some drinks or it's 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 only this little event, you know, and they becoming such a big way for just a small thing. And if you were having a bigger wedding, I'd almost say like, well, consider inviting them because it's their choice whether they travel a far distance for just a drinks reception. Maybe yeah. they might be delighted to do that. But because you've used the number 12, I'm like, no, okay, you've obviously decided that you want to keep things very, very small and intimate. Yeah. In which case, yeah, you need to just communicate this to them um, in a really nice and friendly way. And if they're good friends and family members, they'll be delighted for you. Yeah, no, I think they'll definitely understand. And again, there's no need to do anything formal when you do see them next time. Just keep on playing with your friendships and have the usual catch-ups you would have. You could also consider having, like, basically repeating your drinks reception that you're having with, like, the Irish pals in Germany and the US. Like, again, it doesn't have to be this year even. Yeah. But um, if you think that might be something that you and your partner are interested in doing, you know, in a year or six months time, next time you go to these places to visit family, your friends. Um, if you can decide on that definitively, like we're definitely going to have like a casual drinks thing in Germany and in the US when we go home next time, then you can say that to them as well. And you can say, listen, we're going to accommodate some little mini celebration at home. So we can't wait to see you at that. Yeah, I think the one thing not to do is to try and be secretive about it and to hide the fact that you're having the drinks because the last thing you want to do is be stressing out because someone put a photo on Instagram and you didn't tell your best friend in Germany that you're having drinks in Ireland. So yeah, it's worth just being upfront about it, I think, for your friends and family. That is the recipe for disaster. Yes. Now, I love this man and there's no way that I'm going to give him up to some two-faced, big-haired, critic now for something that's not your wedding if you feel like you're up to your eyes in wedding planning this part of the show was made just for you we're encouraging you to step away from the wedmin for just a few hours and indulge in a little downtime so claire has got a fantastic recommendation to share with us this week 
Thanks. Um, so we've spoken before about how we do Curry Club with a bunch of our friends. So my new year, new me, new year, odd me, I don't know, uh, recommendation <laughs> this year is Roast Club. So we started this actually a few months ago with a friend of ours. So it's myself, my husband and our friend. And we take turns in hosting roasts in each other's homes. And so because there's three of us, we have three invited guests, but they're different every time that come to the roast. And it's the host's choice as to who gets invited. But it's a really nice way of mixing groups and getting to know people and enjoying a nice delicious dinner with your friends. I should say that you mean a roast dinner. Oh yeah, we're not, not like, like the American TV style <laughs> yeah. roast where you just take the mick out of each other. No, there's beef and no roast involved <laughs> and lots of potatoes. But what I love about this is that it's not just like pals hanging out. It's kind of like almost like a talk show. Yes. Like a rotating door guest thing. Yes. And it's one of those like dinner party things of like, who's your three people you'd invite to your dream dinner party? Only, you know, some of them. And you get to do it over and over again. Exactly. And test different combinations. Yes. But yeah, it's a nice way of like, if you kind of have two friends that you're like, oh, you two should meet. Mm. But there's never really a situation where it arises organically. It's a nice way to introduce them. I love this one. Will I be invited to Roast Club, Claire? Someday, maybe. <laughs> okay, I just need to wait for the right, like, friend that you want me to connect with. Yeah, that's it. Okay. You'll get there. <laughs> Thanks, I'll wait for my invitation, so. It'll be worth the wait, I promise. Okay. There'll be mashed sure. potato. No, roast potato. Are you sure it's coming? Yeah, it's it is. I promise. Okay, text me. <laughs> I will. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. As always, we'd love to hear which wedding related issues are troubling you and what topics you'd like discussed on future episodes. So please do get in touch. You can email us at hello at onefabday.com or DM us on social. We're at onefabday on all the major social channels. We'd also love it if you can rate and review our podcast on iTunes and recommend it to any engaged pals, either in person or via WhatsApp or social. This helps us grow our audience and make the podcast better for all of our listeners. So we'd really appreciate it. And be sure to click over to onefabday.com after this episode has finished playing. Selena and I are very busy bees this month, writing lots of content across real weddings, planning guides, stall features and more. So you should absolutely pay the homepage a regular visit. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast.